Hey everyone, welcome to Contemplation and Disability. My name is Rob, and it's so good to have you here with us today. And I have a special guest. Uh, his name is Tom. He is a dear friend of mine, and I am so happy to have him on. How how are you doing, Tom? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's, hey. it's great to be here. Oh, no problem at all. I'm I'm honored to have you on here, and I, I'm so I'm so super stoked uh, for our viewers to get to hear your story and and uh, how you've been going through it. And uh, so one of the first questions I want to ask you was, uh, you know, uh, what's your testimony with uh, going through cancer and, and the treatments? Yeah, um, you know, I when I first heard, I was shocked. I I went to. Um, the chiropractor and he made an adjustment that was a little more painful than usual, but I didn't think much of it at the time. That was on a Tuesday. And by that Thursday, I couldn't get out of bed. So we went to the hospital when I could finally walk a little bit thinking that, you know, we're going to find a slip disc or something um, yeah. being only 45. And they came back and they said, you have a seven centimeter tumor on your right kidney and it's in your T10 vertebrae. Um, and I almost passed out. I mean, the adrenaline started because, I mean, I, you hear that word, you heard cancer and it, it just, it just shocks you. And knowing that it was not just in one place meant that it automatically was stage four. I knew that in my head before anybody had said that out loud. Um, and for the first two months of this all unfolding, I was just numb. I mean, I remember I would come to work and I would just stare at the walls. Um, I asked my doctor, I said, I don't know, what do I do? Like, you know, they said it's treatable, it's not curable. Mm -hmm. um, I heard that, I heard, well, there's medicines for it. It's not a death sentence. But all the research that I had done online <laughs> didn't say that it wasn't. Um, and so I didn't know how to live. And I asked somebody in this Facebook group that I'm in, I said, I don't know right now if I'm living or if I'm dying. Hmm. And I think it was important to ask that question because really, I think, I mean, from the moment we're born, we're all dying. It's all mindset and frame of mind. But I wasn't living uh, because I was waiting to die. And I remember a, a student sharing with me, even before this old cancer thing happened, a student where I work uh, said, you, you know, some days you just have to show up. Hmm. And that's all you can do. And I, that really spoke to me to keep showing up that so much of this was gonna be beyond my control, but I could show up for treatment. I showed up for the surgery to kill the tumor in the back. Um, I showed up to start immunotherapy and then in November to have that kidney removed. Um, and I realized I'm not in control, right? God is in control of this whole thing and I don't like that because I don't like change that I can't control and I don't like not being in control. Mm -hmm. So it's been a real 
learning experience um, to surrender. You know, there, there's a prayer I would pray often, and I knew, I knew the the cost of that prayer. It's um, it says, "For all that has been, we give you thanks, O God, and for all that will be, we say yes." Um, I thought, well, that's that's quite the prayer because you're saying yes to a lot of things you don't know about. Well, I know I couldn't dream that that this would be something that would come my way. Um, but I continued eventually to to show up. There was work that needed to be done, and I started to feel better. Um, I didn't realize how much energy I didn't have the last few years until the kidney came out. Um, but still living my life in three-month intervals, and I will say I'm still in that place a little bit because mm -hmm. uh, I get a scan every three months while I'm on treatment. So I had a scan in June right before a vacation, and I, you know, they didn't find anything. I breathed easy. Uh, and then they say, you know, we'll scan again in three months. And so you live for probably about six weeks. Pretty good. Uh, and then as you get closer to the next one, I have one coming up now at the end of September, well, mid-September, right? So I'm getting closer to that when you start to start to wonder again and mm -hmm. and you and but you have to i have to trust right it's a, it's a surrender it's a it's a surrender to god it's a surrender to the doctors and the nurses and just the plan right do we take the kidney out first do we start immunotherapy how are we going to fix his back what's the sequence i i don't know wow. right and and you realize how much you don't know um when you're trusting your life in the hands of other people. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but I just keep showing up. I'm still working um, all my jobs. Last last summer, I could barely walk because the, what happened, the chiropractor, what, what led us to the hospital was actually that adjustment we would later find out caused a compression fracture in the vertebrae. Oh, and that wow. was the pain I was in, it, you know, yeah. so the I was not in pain from the kidney. I wasn't in pain technically from the tumor, but the the vertebrae became like a like a Cadbury egg with no cream in it. Right. So just one touch of that just smashed it because there was no filler left because the cancer had eaten the bone. Um, so if it was not for that, I who knows if I would even know now that this thing was growing inside me. Yeah, wow. Uh, I I think you answered my question uh, very well, Tom. Um, I think it's like when you go through medical stuff like that, and you have to trust the doctors, and you have to you have to trust the treatments. It it's 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 a hard blow. I uh, I remember uh, listening to this conference and uh it was actually uh by this name uh this guy named james finley and uh he he's a catholic and he uh he was in uh the kentucky oh i forgot what it's called but it was a it was a monastery and so he was like with thomas Merton, and uh he was saying that trauma uh is really uh it's the it's when we lose it's when we realize we lost control and we're not in control anymore. And uh, 
that for me changed the word trauma. Uh, you know, we, we think of it as so huge, uh, but really the, just that sense of loss of control is really huge. Um, yep. you know, it's, it's tough. Uh, so I can, I could sympathize with you there for sure. And, uh, I think like the fact that you keep showing up and keep going, uh, that is so admirable. And, uh, it's something that I really respect, um, with you is, is that you, you kept showing up and you, you're, you're keeping on. Um, and, think to go back to like the question you asked of am I living or am I dying I think I think that's a huge concept too that I would like to unpack with you a little bit yep. uh, just because I you know uh, it, it's it's such a good question to ask whether you're going through cancer or you're you know you're just going through any kind of medical thing uh, am I living or am I dying uh, so I think that was hugely profound, and I, I'm I'm very happy that you asked yourself that question. Yeah. Um, There's a quote that I love by uh, uh, Saint Irenaeus, and it says, "The glory of God is the human person fully alive." And when I work with students, I ask them, "What do you think the most important word is in that sentence?" And for me, it's the word "fully." Mm. The, the quote is not the glory of God is the human person alive. Cause there's a lot of people out there breathing, True, yeah. but not living, you know, mm. fully alive. And I know that there are many demands on us to make a living. And sometimes those demands to make a living can derail us from making a life. Yeah. And I, I just love that quote, you know, and, and living fully alive. I had one friend, uh, and very few people could get away with this, <laughs> but they said that their dad always said to them, it's all a gift. And so they asked me, uh, you know, could I find the gift in this? Hmm. And I thought they're full of baloney. There's not a single gift in this diagnosis. Yeah. Um, but I will say it has, it has brought people into my life that I probably would not have known. I mean, certainly the medical team, right? You find out this diagnosis and then I have, you know, seven closest new friends, all with the first name of doctor. Uh, but people, unexpected friends uh, who have come alongside and not just in the token, like, oh, let me know if you need anything, but really... Um, there for me, supporting me. Um, that's been very interesting. The, the people sometimes when you're in the situation that you think would do the most for you, um, sometimes they can't because they can't deal with the fact that someone they care about is sick. And the people that I would never even dream would, would be there or do anything or send a card or you know drop food off uh, some of those have been real blessings. Wow. I'm really, I'm happy that you, you had those friends show up for you yep. and able to make new friends. Uh, 
community is so important. And uh, yeah, that's just awesome. Could you, so you, you mentioned that prayer and uh, could you repeat that prayer again that you, that you were able to pray? Oh yeah. For, for all that has been for your blessings without number, we offer thanks to you, O oh God. And for all that will be for all that is to come, we say yes. Wow. That's so beautiful. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I'm really glad you shared that. That was, it's really powerful. I think it's easy, especially like, you know, when you're, when you're going through any kind of new medical or, or new disease, you know, to, to be thankful for, for, you know, every, everything that's been going on and then giving it all to God is, is such a powerful thing. Um, cause it's like, I feel like in our culture, especially, you know, with, with disease and, you know, we kind of just want to ignore it or brush it under the table. But, you know, uh, just like you said, you got to show up and you got to take care of it. Cause if you're not going to take care of it, then, you know, then, then there is really only one path uh, at that point. Right. And yeah, it's just, it's just so incredibly easy to, to not want to do, but, you know, just to surrender everything to God. That's, I know it's, it's helped me through going through lupus and the mixed connective tissue disease. And, you know, you just realize that, yeah, God is in control. We aren't. um, And there needs to be, you know, we just need to surrender to that and know that whatever does happen, God is there. God is there working through. Absolutely. So through your journey, uh, what kind of spiritual disciplines have you, uh, have helped you out the most? Um, I wouldn't say that much has changed. I, I have not asked, I haven't, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole of, of why me? My wife asked me if I was angry. I said, I'm not angry. I don't know who I would be angry at. Um, Mm -hmm. Kidney cancer, one of the doctors, uh, they refer to it as the cancer of the innocence. Um, It seems to be on the rise in men. Uh, Younger. Uh, it used to be in the 60s or 70s, but now younger, uh, two to one, men versus women. And um, and you, no rhyme or reason, right? You live a healthy lifestyle. I mean, I don't drink. I don't smoke. Um, I exercise. So just no, no rhyme or reason for it. Um, so I wouldn't say that my prayer life has changed. I've always found great comfort in music. Most of the time, I can't tell you my heart, but I can write it. Wow. Or I can give you a song that'll tell you in that moment where I'm at. Um, so silence, prayer, you know, I, I don't like praying for me. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that uh, that's also going through this they said they prayed once for healing and they haven't asked since um, if 
I always find it easier to pray for other people. So if other people want to pray for me, I certainly welcome that. If they want to petition the Lord for me. But praying, right, like Jesus in the garden to have the cup pass or to to take it away. I feel like if I do that over and over again, I feel like a, a little kid, you know, who wants the candy bar and the mom keeps saying no. It's like, the answer's not going to change. Um, but I also recognize that sometimes you need to pray through those questions. Yeah. So I have plenty of people praying for me um, that I don't think in, in my case right now that, that I need to petition for myself anymore. I would much rather pray for other people and their needs than my own. Um, so a lot of listening to music and still showing up, you know, still still working, finding God in all things, as St. Ignatius says, um, in the stories of the people, the lives that live and move around me. That's where he shows up the most, over and over again. Yeah. I, it's funny because I like I feel I feel kind of the same way where I'm like I wanna I would rather play I would rather pray for people than pray for myself or or you know always constantly try to be like ooh, ooh, ooh you know I'll I'll get the healing prayer kind of thing and uh, so yeah yeah I I definitely I can. I can empathize where you're coming from. Um, you know, I, I, I just love helping others. And, and uh, I, I'm so glad that you have the same heart for others. And, you know, it's like when we, you know, when, when you shared in our group, you, I could always see that your heart was for others. And uh, that's something that I deeply respected um, was your heart for others. And, and I think, I think the spiritual discipline of just showing up, like, I think that's a legit discipline that I think sometimes we, we kind of just ignore or like, you know, oh, we don't, we don't think that, you know, it's just like Satan and Nick just says, find, finding, find God in everything. And, and I think God shows up when we show up. I think, you know, the other thing that I've been thinking a lot about the last couple of weeks because as people have heard about this, I mean, the number of people at different places where I work, and people on Facebook, you know, I look at when I post an update about how I'm doing, it's very factual to me. You know, here's what the doctor said, everything's stable, status quo, so we keep on keeping on, or this happened, I have to have this, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And people comment like, oh, it, oh, you're just so inspiring, or how you're handling this. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a downer or an inspiration to people, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just living my life. And the thing that I've been really thinking about is that we, we are often uninspired by our own story. Mm -hmm. I don't inspire me. Mm -hmm. I've been inspired by other people's stories, but, but I think we spend so much time writing our story that we never zoom out to read it. And so to, to, to really, in all humility, to kind of zoom out of my body and look down at all of this unfolding. 
I guess it is kind of inspiring to keep showing up when I, when you look at the last year and some of the other things that I have battled through my life. But I don't think we think about that enough. You know, when there's a crisis, we stew on it, we ruminate on it. But when something good happens, you know, we, we don't give it the time that we should mm-hmm. to celebrate those little wins. You know, whether it's a, a, whether it's graduating or you set a goal for yourself and you accomplished it, we're just, we're always on to the next thing in this rat race of a society that we live in. We need to take time to reflect on the journey that helped us to meet the goal, because that's what's important. Wow. You know, everybody hears that, you know, to, to, so to sit back every once in a while and just take stock of your own story can be really, can be really interesting. I agree. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I know I often don't inspire myself uh, or or really, you know, yeah, you're right. I, you know, I'll often, you know, have a little victory and I'll be like, "Eh, no big deal. You know, it's just just going to keep going. And uh, I, I, you know, like, especially for people who are going through medical stuff and, and just all this stuff. Uh, you know, to, to celebrate just showing up, like, that's huge. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it. yeah, I think in our culture, you know, it is a rat race and, you know, we're always go, 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 go. Uh, it's never, okay, well, you know, we can go, but let's take a break now. Let's, yep. let's you know, look back and celebrate the wins and, yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you there. Uh, and so my next question is, uh, I think it's interesting that you kind of already woven in the, the saints uh, into our conversation already. But my next question would be, how has Catholicism uh, helped, like how has that viewpoint uh, led you through uh, your journey? Um, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick has been very powerful. Um, some different priests have administered that to me. Um, and it, you know, it's a ritual with scripture and prayer and laying on of hands and anointing with oil. Uh, it used to be called, that used to be called last rites. We don't call it that anymore. It's the anointing of the sick. And the church has all parameters for it, but it never really defines how sick you need to be or how old you need to be. So it's it's very broad, uh, and it's mm-hmm. ultimately a sacrament of, of God's compassion. Uh, wow. That's the heart of it. And so I've taken advantage of that. Um, certainly some of the, the different groups that I'm in, um, you know, people will, will pray for me, pray over me. Um, you know, I'm still going to Mass. Uh, every week and um, receiving the Eucharist, which is a sacrament of of healing and grace. So, yeah, I'd say all in all, uh, with the exception of like that real blip in the road between June and November of last year, um, things have been pretty normal. 
Um, I think most people look at me and, you know, I get that, well, you look good. I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and they never finish the sentence, right? You look good for somebody who has cancer or whatever they mean by that. Um, but to people that don't know, they don't know. Um, and they don't need to know. Uh, unless I'm ready to tell them because I don't, it, it certainly doesn't define me. Um, I think, you know, it, it, I mean, it is a serious diagnosis and the ramifications are pretty severe, but, you know, we don't walk up to people every day and say, you know, I have a headache or I have a cold. Yeah. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a great conversation starter. I have cancer. Yeah, I, I get the, I always get, uh, yeah, you, you look pretty good uh, for someone that has lupus. And the, yeah, I, I often wonder, like, what, what does that really mean? Uh, what are you trying to say? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it is funny, like, when you, when you really think about it, like, that people people who meet me and, and, and if I don't want to start off the conversation, be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I have lupus and I'm in pain every day. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. Um, and, and so, sometimes I think that's a huge grace, uh, you know, just to, uh, live life normally sometimes is, is, is nice and have people not be like, Oh, are you okay? You know, do you, uh, yeah, so uh, it is. It is an interesting thing to to see and and to go through uh, when you have a, a disease that people can't see that's affecting you, like a like a lost limb or or you're in a wheelchair kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I think uh, I really. Uh, it's interesting that. Uh, you say that things haven't changed much. Um, and I, and I think that that's incredible. Um, because you had, you had to, you had a spiritual life and, and for that to have kept going through all of this, uh, is a testament to your inner strength and your relationship with God. And I think your relationship with community helps us out a lot too. Yes. And uh, to praise God, um, um, that's awesome to hear. Uh, so I, I know for like when I first started going through uh, everything, I was I had I had like the tremors and everything, and and uh, I could barely move, and I was questioning my faith very, you know, very hard, and uh, it was very hard for me to think even through my pain and you know thank god i got i got through that but at the time it was it was really horrendous and uh and uh if i didn't have you know yeah especially you know now that i have uh you know our group and and like community uh it it helped significantly uh more than i i think i could have expressed uh to everyone <laughs> But, uh, because yeah. you know you're not alone mm -hmm. you know that makes a difference True. but our our society I, I tell this to students all the time our society 
says that a, a real successful man is independent mm -hmm. with this mentality of I've got this. And to me, that's destructive. It mm -hmm. usually ends in some kind of a addiction, um, either to numb something or run from something. Mm -hmm. And I'm not advocating for codependence. I think that's equally as toxic. Yeah. But interdependence has been a game changer for me. Because you think, well, you know, I have these other people or I, I, I need them or I want them in my life. That makes me weak. And it doesn't. It actually makes you stronger. You know, it's like, you know, forming like a human rope with like a whole bunch of different people. You're stronger than just one person. And to not be afraid to ask all these people that say, if you need anything, let me know to ask for what we need. You know, can you pray for me? Or, you know what? My back is not working today. Would you mind doing this? You know, we're, we're not trying to not putting people out, but to live like those, those first apostles did all in community, you know, where, where the, those who, what's the line, those who had, little did not have less and those who had much did not have more they shared everything right and if i'm going to let you share the good parts of my life and you're really a friend who i respect then i'm going to invite you into the bad parts too hmm. that's that's vulnerability father mike schmitz he talks he gives this example you know Transparency is looking into my fish tank. Vulnerability is letting you come into the fish tank and maybe even taking the little castle decoration and move it around or flip it upside down and look at the mess underneath it. Wow. Those are the friends that I want in my life. The ones that look at the mess and don't run, but love me more. And they don't, they don't, they don't limit me to just cancer, mm. right? I know that I can talk about it with them, right? And sometimes they'll ask, like, how are, you, how are you really doing? How's everything going? But but it's, it's a friendship just like it always has been. We just have another topic to cover. You know, like, how's the home improvement project coming? How are the kids? But it's not, the, it's not at the heart of the friendship or the conversation. I told people at the beginning of this, I said, the worst thing you can do is treat me differently. Hmm. You know, if I hear from somebody, oh, I really wanted to talk to Tom about this, but I know he's got a lot going on, so I didn't want to bother him. You don't get to decide if you're a bother to me. I do. Hmm. And, and don't take away that which gives me probably one of the most profound senses of purpose that I have listening to people. Wow. I'm still the same guy. I just have something living inside me that wants to take me out. But, hmm. but nothing else has changed. That's, wow. That's so awesome. Uh, I, I struggle, yeah, I struggle with, with, the 
letting not not necessarily letting people in but like letting people know my struggles uh you know sometimes i'm just like yeah you know i'm not i'm not gonna say anything i'm just gonna kind of power through it or like you know um but i've I've definitely gotten a lot better because i i know before like you know i i uh i isolated myself for a good couple of years where i just didn't like you know i had a few friends that that would come over and hang out and you know um those were really good times but then you know for the rest of the time i kind of was just like uh like i'm, I'm good <laughs> like the the pain was just so overwhelming uh but you're absolutely right though community has been uh really life-changing for me and uh i think an interesting point you brought up too is like you know uh people you know some people do judge and will treat you differently and uh it's it's hard to deal with that because you're like no like (laughs) i'm still the same person i'm just in i'm i'm just going through this uh and and you know i just need you to be real with me because i'm going to be real with you and uh that's the that's the real those are the real kind of relationships that that you want and uh so i'm i'm so glad that you stuck you stuck out with community and and uh you know, uh, yeah, I think I think your superpower is listening. You're you're, you're such a good listener, Tom. I, uh, I I have to want to listen like you do. Yep. That you know, when real friendships to me, when somebody listens to you, it's very easy to to thank you know. My gosh, thanks so much for listening. Um, you know, I'll see you next week. And, you know, I hear that from, from people, you know, thanks so much. This was so helpful. Thanks for listening. And so it seems like to them, you've done a great service and you have, if we're living in this transactional world, right. That, that, okay, you've done your, your job, quote unquote, but one of my other famous lines around here is that in our, our current culture, our relationships with one another have become transactions. Mm-hmm. They've become transactional, not relational. And transactions are not investments. They're transactions. Yeah. And to tell someone the gift that they have given to you by having the courage to tell you their story. is amazing. I mean, I leave many conversations feeling like I should thank them. Wow. Right? For for trusting me, for feeling comfortable, for sharing those things. Because that's what makes I think real relationships, but I don't think we think about that often. Mm. You know, it to, to peel back the onion, um, I had someone a couple weeks ago, they were on vacation, and they walked past a Johnston and Murphy store, which is my favorite store. And they didn't just walk past the store and think to themselves, oh, there's Tom's favorite store. 
they took a picture of the sign and they sent it to me with a caption that said, I'm going to go in and tell them I know you. Hmm. Now, at first, we're like, oh, it's really funny, right? But no, what does that mean? That means that this person was somewhere, saw that, and not only thought of me, but thought to tell me that they thought of me. And so now, as the receiver of that gift, I reflect on that friendship, the, the, the impact that we've had on each other, despite time and space, that even in a far off location, they would call me to mind and think enough of me to tell me that. Wow. And that I think sometimes is where we fall. We think of, we think of people, but we don't tell them. Now, I watch students all the time do things that inspire me, but I don't think a lot of people pull the person aside and say, you know, I saw this. You were out there just doing your thing. And that spoke to me while I was at my desk and you didn't even know it. And I wanted you to know it. Because then they also have to kind of think about, wow, I, I impacted that person just by being me. And that's what Fred Rogers was always getting at, you know, there's, there's only one person in the whole world like you, and that's you yourself. And people can like you exactly as you are. Wow. Wow. Which is kind of off topic from the cancer thing, but I, you know. I wanted to talk about Fred Rogers, too. Um, so uh, I, don't, I don't think it's off topic at all, because, uh, you know. He's never off topic. <laughs> right <laughs> i mean you uh, actually uh, uh i i got more into fred rogers because of you um yeah. you know that he had such a profound impact um it, it's it's it, he's he's definitely interesting i uh like has has fred rogers like you know going through your journey uh, how has he affected you through all of this? He's been a real anchor for me in this. Uh, somebody gave me an icon with his picture. It's in my office here. People give me all kinds of Fred Rogers memorabilia. Um, when, when I was a sophomore in college, I, I spent a day with him on the set of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I remember being so excited. All I just wanted to say thank you to this man who I felt had given me so much over the years. And I had all kinds of questions for him. And just like in the Tom Hanks film, in their portrayal of him, he would often interview the person in front of him because he was so curious about their story. And Fred said, anything human is mentionable, anything. And anything mentionable can be manageable when you talk about it with people that you trust. And that sometimes asking the questions is just as important as finding the answers. And don't we do that in times of crisis? You know, well, right, somebody's in a car accident, they call, you know, 
And we, what are we, we are you okay? Well, we know in some weird level that they probably are okay because they're talking to us on the phone, but we, there's that need to ask those questions. In times of disaster and turmoil, people ask questions and they know that the people in front of them don't have the answers, but there is that need to ask them um, and to, to talk about something so overwhelming and scary as cancer, knowing that the people in front of me, they don't have answers, but I need to be heard in that moment. And I know that I trust them. And so that somehow in mentioning these things together, we can make it more manageable because it's a pretty heavy cross to carry on your own. Yeah. And all of these people who have come along and have been like Simon of Cyrene to me and helped me carry this, Right. That's what being neighbor is, according to Fred. That's wow. Yeah, he's, he's with me every day uh, in my work. And in my way of being. Because it wasn't a thing to do. I mean, if you really research Fred and you really delve into his life. They look at things that made him him, but he wasn't doing a thing. It was his whole way of being. and honoring the person in front of, of him by listening, by being curious, by being in awe and wonder of the gifts of the human in front of him. It's, it's such a powerful thing to listen, especially when somebody needs needs that from somebody. And, and I, I think you're right you know, we're, we're such in a transaction world that, you know, we forget that the act of just simply listening is, is has gone away. You know, it's, it's all about, you know, what, what, what can I do and what can I do for you? Uh, transactional type. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very lifeless, a lifeless relationship to have with somebody. Uh, and it's, I, I mean, yeah, I used to, you know, view relationships as kind of transactional too. And, you know, uh, it's so, you know, like when I, when I got sick, I had to, you know, not only learn to listen to myself, but listen to those around me too. And, and it was so transformational for me. And then, and then meeting you and, and, uh, you know, hear you talk about Fred Rogers that like that that definitely uh sparked sparked an interest for me and and uh I think in many ways I, I want to be able to listen like he did yep. yep he yeah because he listened he listened with the heart you know Fred knew what what somebody was saying and what they weren't saying and he also gave people time to answer, which is hard sometimes for if somebody asks a question, and nobody speaks right away. Somebody will just jump in with the next thing. You know, he knew the value of silence and wonder and stillness. Yeah. 
We could do a whole ep- we could do we could do a whole episode on Fred Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, yeah, we I I would definitely be interested in hearing hearing more of that for sure. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, just the passion you have for him and 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 the way he did things and you know I think you know I I remember that one that one night you you shared with us about about listening to others and and the the whole transactional relationship and and how that should not be the case and you know that was that was a real that was definitely a real turning point um because you realize how how fake and how how lifeless a relationship that's just transactional can be and and how how powerful it is to 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 be in the silence just listening to somebody um that that's just so wonderful hearing so many people's stories has has changed me Uh, yeah and and impacted me you know i use that word inspired a lot but impacted me Mm. um because you realize everybody Everybody goes through different things. Uh, there is no, there is no easy life. That is true. There is no easy life. <laughs> life is definitely hard, but luckily our God is bigger and so much better. And you know, I like, you know, doing doing this podcast made me realize that I'm. I'm passionate about hearing other stories too. And, yeah. uh, and like how, how important it is just to listen and to, to be there for somebody. And, you know, there doesn't have to be, there doesn't have to be a, a facade that we put on to, to make the other person feel better. Um, you know, it's, we could just be ourselves and, and listen, and then the other person can be themselves. Yep. I think Fred has a quote about that too. <laughs> the greatest gift that we can give to another human being is the gift of our honest self. Ooh, that is so good. But we spend so much time trying to chameleon, fit in over here, fit in with that group, you know, keeping up appearances that when we realize that, that, that our truths are just, just who we are at our core is enough that can be a gift to someone. You know, Fred ended every show the same way. He said, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's only one person in the whole world like you, and that's you yourself. And people can like you exactly as you are. And I realized, right, it doesn't mean they will, hmm. but they can. That there are some people out there, if you were a commodity, there may be some people out there actually shopping for you. If you would just be instead of trying to do, trying to put the, the, be someone that you're not, just be who you were meant to be and show by your life. That can be a gift to other people. It's been my experience that those people that need to be heard need somebody to listen to them, right? So if everybody was, was a talker and nobody listened, it'd be an even noisier world than it is. And some of us, who love to to listen to people need people who are willing to talk 
these are all the things I've learned from students over the last couple of years. That's, that's so awesome. Uh, your students are, are definitely blessed to have, to have you on their side. Um, I know it, I had, uh, I forgot where this quote came from, but it was like, I, I want to be the person that like my 12 year old self would have wanted to have as a, as a mentor or, you know, as a, as a really good friend. And, you know, so sometimes I think about it, I'm like, okay, you know, if I, you know, I, I would want somebody that actually did listen. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah. So to end, what would be a couple pieces of advice that you would give to my listeners, especially if they're going through a bad time? I think uh, allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's your journey. I know that the, you know, the doctors at the beginning, they said, as this start to work, you'll see a lot less of us, you know, you'll, you'll have more normalcy. And I remember thinking they're, they're full of baloney. Mm-hmm. Like I can't think about anything else for the rest of my life. And I'll tell you, it's in my head all the time. It never goes away. But I've I've tried. I'm not successful some days, but I've tried to not let it control me. Because then we just live in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to you have to go through it. You have to have people on your team who don't expect you to be anything than you are right now. Um, you know, people have good intentions. They'll say, well, come on, I'll take you out. It'll cheer you up. Like at the beginning, you might not need that. You might just need somebody to sit in the hole with you. Mm-hmm. Not to tell you it's going to be okay. Cause they don't know that either, but just to have somebody there. Um, And I think believe that you're worth fighting for. You have to advocate for yourself. You know, as I've gone on this journey, we consult with a a kidney cancer specialist down at Sloan Kettering. Um, And I know when when inside I feel like, okay, we should probably do a a Zoom call with that doctor. Um, Having all my care managed up here in Central New York is great. The team has been wonderful. Um, but they're general oncologists, not kidney cancer specialists. And so as the journey evolves, I just had one with them a couple of weeks ago just to check in. Um, and, and I'm glad I did because I had some questions about one drug I was on. I wasn't sure if I really needed to be. He actually said, you don't, right? Trust your gut, gather information and get a second opinion or a third opinion. And see where the consensus is and does it align with what you've researched, with what you're feeling and what's good for your situation. Um, And I think keep, do what you can to stay in the game, right? For me, most days that means getting up. I do this walk at home program, doing my two miles, 
I use that to, to kind of check, you know, how are things feeling? Am I winded at all, right? It's a good parameter, putting the body through that every day or a couple times a week. If you can do it, right, it helps me feel like I'm still in, I'm still in the fight, showing up, hmm. right? I can't control everything that's going on inside me, but I can, what they say, give it the old college try. Yeah. Um, to keep pushing myself. And, and to try and do that, and, and as much as you can, don't, don't be the victim of yourself or the victim of, of the, the illness, right? There are days when I, I couldn't do things, I can't do things, right? Or I have to ask for help in ways that I haven't before. But there are still many things that I do on my own it would be very easy to say, well, I have cancer. I can't do that. But if you can, and if it gives you a sense of purpose and a sense of community, then keep doing it. So many people get told by the doctor, well, you, you know, you have this long to live and more, you know, you, you hear all the time that, no, that wasn't really true because nobody really knows that. So believe you're worth fighting for. Wow. Wow. Really good advice. Uh, uh, Tom, I I truly appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, with me and and the viewers. And just thank you so much. And yeah, uh, I just really appreciate you. Um, I appreciate your friendship, and I'm I'm so glad that we we met. Me too. Yeah, thank you for asking me. Thanks for caring enough to uh, to hear some of the story. Oh, oh, no problem, Tom. Uh, I think uh, you've been yeah you've been such a huge inspiration in my life, and I appreciate you so much. And uh, all right, everyone. Uh, that that is it thank you so much for tuning in uh i hope you guys have a good rest of your night and uh thank you so much again tom for coming on and and uh yeah we're definitely going to do another interview uh down the road (laughs) sounds good thanks rob i had no problem all right everyone bye